So I've mentioned something similar to this before, but I, th I think it's, it's worth repeating that sometimes in, in our lives, we can get so accustomed to certain things because we enjoy them or because they just become part of our way of life that we become so accustomed to them that we almost take for granted that the people around us know what we're talking about whenever we talk about these things. So an example, um, I, I like sports, I really like football. So I sometimes take for granted when I'm watching a football game with other people that they know what's going on. You know, so I, I take for granted that when I talk about, you know, they, they need to get a first down, that everyone knows what a first down is. Or, you know, when they score, that's called a touchdown, and afterwards they kick an extra point, right? I take that for granted, and so, you know, when I, when I speak about these things, I just talk about them. But if I'm watching a game with someone who's never watched football before, or, or doesn't know anything about the game, they're wondering what the heck I'm talking about. Like, what, what's a first down? What's a, what's a touchdown? Or, or I thought it was like a home run. Right, like I, they don't know what's going on. And so it's like a good sort of shocker for me that I should actually take some time to explain what, what's going on in this game. Now I think, I bring this up because I think the same can be true for us in our Catholic Christian faith. And maybe even like to take, take it to another level, sometimes in our Catholic Christian faith, we can talk about things and for one, we assume that other Christians know what we're talking about when they don't. But sometimes even, maybe a lot of times, but sometimes at least, sometimes we say things or words or phrases and we ourselves don't even really know what they mean. We ourselves, like we have these, these buzzwords, like discipleship. We use this word a lot, but do we ever really explain what it means? Or what I want to talk about is communion or a Holy Eucharist. We use these words to talk about what happens here at Mass, but I think a lot of times we ourselves don't always know what we're talking about. And in fact, this is, this is true actually. So I'm not sure about this particular community, but I know a few years ago there was a study released uh, uh, by the Pew Research Center, I believe. So they asked Catholics whether they believed what Catholics professed to believe about Holy Communion. And then they asked them whether they really know what Catholics profess to believe about Holy Communion. So the number of people that, that profess to believe what Catholics know about Holy Communion is, is actually a really small number. But I'm not as concerned about that. I mean, I am concerned about it, but what I'm most concerned about is that it was also a pretty low number of Catholic Christians who actually understand or know what the Catholic Church teaches about what happens at Mass with Holy Communion. It was something only like 60 or 70% of Catholics actually know this, which to you might sound like a high number, but when you think about it this way, so we teach that what happens here at Mass in Holy Communion, we call it the Eucharist, we teach that the Eucharist is the source and the summit of our faith. In other words, it's from the Eucharist that everything else we teach and believe flows. And what's more, we say that it's the Eucharist that's the high point, like it is the summit of our faith. 
So now to think about that there are 30 to 40% of Catholics who don't, they don't understand what we teach about it. They don't understand what we teach about the source of our faith or about the high point of our faith. It's actually, to me, that's, that's really concerning. So what I think is really important for us to do is, is to take some time and explain. Now we can't explain everything all at once because that would take a very long time and I already give long homilies as it is. But we can try to grasp like the core of it because this is, this is, this is the thing. We've been reading from John chapter 6 for the last three weeks. If the assumption wasn't next week and we had a different set of readings, we would be hearing for it for two more weeks. But as it is, next week we skip a section. I'll talk about that today. And then in a couple of weeks, we hear the final section of John chapter 6. We take time to sort of chew through John chapter 6 because of this. As Catholic Christians, we read John chapter 6, specifically the part today and the part that we would hear next week, we read it and interpret it in a certain way. And people, Christians who are not Catholic, our Protestant brothers and sisters in Christ, Christians who are not Catholic, they interpret it in a very different way. There's actually a huge disagreement among the Christian community as a whole about John chapter 6. And we as Catholic Christians, we say that they interpret it incorrectly. And for that matter, they say the same thing about us. So I think it's, it's important not so that we can, you know, win an argument or, or, you know, go to war against other Christians. That's not really what we're about. But I think it is really important for us one, to simply know what we're doing here. I think it's really important for us to know, like, when I come to Mass, when I come forward to receive the Holy Eucharist, what, like, do I really know and believe what, what's happening? But then, too, I think it's also incredibly important for us to know these things so that when we're talking to our Protestant brothers and sisters, we can actually give them a clear understanding or a clear explanation of what we're doing. It's incredibly important because maybe, maybe a clear explanation could actually help them come to the truth, the fullness of the truth of the Holy Eucharist and for that matter of the Catholic Church. So this is, it's, it's a really big chapter for us to study and to break down. So before, before we get to the, the, the passage that we just heard, I want to sort of revisit the previous two weekends that we've had, right? So Jesus uh, is, is doing the teaching thing and the, the people are hungry and there's thousands of people, right? He feeds thousands of people with just a little bit of bread and some fish. Right, I think I've, I've said this, but we can't possibly spend enough time really stopping to consider that. Right, remember, this is one of those things that we've maybe heard the story so many times that it almost can lose its effect on us. Like, this is supposed to be amazing. To stop and consider Jesus fed thousands of people with just a little bit of bread and some fish. And somehow, somehow, they actually ended up with more food than what they started with. Right? Can you, like, can you see the miracle that took place? 
try to imagine being there and just being in awe and shock about what, what? And also imagine being excited because you're recognizing that this Jesus isn't just some ordinary man. He's not just like, he's not some other person like you or I am, but he's somewhat like, he's revealing to us, to you and to me, as well as to the people back then, he's revealing to us that he is extraordinary. Now the good news about us is that we have 2,000 years you know, of history to, to sort of wrestle out or to, to parse out like what, what is going on here and we can say and we, we can believe this, hopefully, we can say that Jesus isn't just revealing that he's someone extraordinary but that he's actually God. Fully man, absolutely, but fully God also because only God can make this miracle happen. Only God can feed thousands of people with just a little bit of bread and some fish. Right? This is what Jesus is revealing to them, and he's trying to, in, in revealing this, in, in working this miracle, he's trying to grab their attention, your attention and mine. He's trying to grab our attention as though to sort of shake us out of the monotony of life and, and open our eyes to say, we have someone incredible in our midst. Someone so far superior to us, to you and to me. That's actually meant, this, this awareness is meant to lead us to a particular place. And we talked about this last week in our gospel where Jesus, he begins to teach them after this miracle, right? They're asking for more food and he's trying to say like, stop looking at it from just like a material point of view, but recognize that I am here to do the work of God. And so they ask him, what can we do to accomplish the works of God? And he says, this is the work of God, that you may believe in the one whom he has sent. Right, so we see the miracle of Jesus, and now we're asking him, like, Lord, how can, we, how can we do the work of God? And he says, believe in me. Right, so he's grabbed our attention, and now he said to us, believe in me. In other words, sit at my feet and listen to me so that I can teach you and form you as my disciples. So that as St. Paul says in our second reading today, we can become imitators of God, not just imitators of other people, holy people around us, but we can actually become imitators of God himself. Like what an incredible gift. And so before we can move any further, each one of us needs to ask the question like, okay, do I believe this? Do I believe in Jesus himself, that he is the son of God and that from him I can, I can become like God? Do I believe this? And if I do, then I gotta be ready to sit at his feet and say, Jesus, you are so far superior to me and I'm ready to do whatever you say. Whatever you say, Jesus. And this is a hard question for us to ask because we run into the passage this week and next week, right? The Jews, the Jewish leaders that Jesus is talking to, they're having a really difficult time with what he's beginning to teach them about he, how he is the bread of life, about he, he's the one who's been sent from heaven, right? Because they don't know about his miraculous birth. They don't know that he's not actually the biological son of Joseph. But at the same time, they've seen the miracle. So there's some tension there about whether, you know, they're probably wrestling it with themselves, right? It says actually they're debating among themselves about Jesus' teaching. 
right? And from there, it just only gets worse and worse because he finishes here by saying, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. Right, so try to imagine you're hearing this for the first time. You're hearing Jesus talking about how he is the bread of life, about how whoever comes to him will have life in eternity, a life that does not end. In fact, he talks about this further on in the, like in the next passage in John chapter 6. He talks about how he who eats this bread will have life, and that life will not end. Even after death, will live forever. Right, imagine getting excited about this. Like, yeah, I want to receive life from God, not just like this earthly life, but I want to receive life from God. And so your, your ears are like perking up when he's talking about receiving life. And he says to you and to me, if you want to receive life, right, it's like you almost like move forward, like ready to receive whatever you're going to say, Jesus, whatever you say. If you want to receive life, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. What? You want, you want me to do what? Right, like again, this, this is something that we all have probably heard so many times that we just sort of take it for granted. But try, 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 brothers and sisters, to let this shock you. That Jesus comes to you and you believe in him and you're ready to do whatever he says. But then he says this, if you want to receive life, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. In fact, he goes on to say in verse uh, 53, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me will live because of me. This is hard. And this actually is where the big debate between Catholic Christians and non-Catholic Christians comes in, right? Because non-Catholic Christians, they think that Jesus is, is just speaking symbolically here, that he doesn't actually mean that we need to eat his flesh and drink his blood, but he's speaking symbolically that we just need to go to him, and by going to him, that's, that's our way of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. We as Catholic Christians take Jesus at his word. And so we say this, that what happens at this altar, every Mass, is that somehow, by some mystery of grace, and we can try to explain it, but we, by some mystery of God's grace, the bread and the wine that are consecrated on the altar really, in fact, change into the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. So that when you and I receive Holy Communion, we are not, we're receiving zero amounts of bread and wine. Zero. That even though it still looks and smells and tastes and feels like bread and wine, there is not actually any of it left there. But that it is wholly and entirely changed into the real flesh and blood of Jesus Christ, living and alive. Do you believe this? 
This is something I, I think we should not take lightly because in fact, what we'll hear in a couple of weeks is that many of his disciples, they couldn't, they couldn't wrap their minds around it and because they couldn't wrap their minds around it, because, it, because Jesus wasn't fitting into the box that they, they wanted him to fit into, it says that many of them left him as a result of this teaching. Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, they walked away from him. Do you believe this? I can tell you there have been many times in my own life, both before being an ordained priest and after, where I've actually had to stop and ask myself the question, like, do I believe this? There have been many times where I've been sitting in a chapel or in a church adoring the Lord in Eucharistic adoration. We take one of the consecrated hosts and we put it in this gold thing and there's like a window and you can look upon Jesus and adore him. There have been many times in my priesthood and beforehand where I've been praying before Jesus in the Eucharist and I just sort of have to stop and ask myself, do I really believe this? It looks like I'm looking at a piece of bread. Am I sure about this? Now, I, I do believe it. But I think the, the point of that is to say that it's okay to wonder. It's okay to actually take time and wrestle with, like, I'm eating and drinking the flesh and blood of God. Do I really believe that? That when I come forward to receive Holy Communion, I'm not just receiving ordinary food, but I'm actually receiving something incredibly extraordinary. And that when I receive this thing, an incredibly, an extraordinary thing, when I receive it in a state of grace, free from all mortal sin, that I'm actually receiving the very thing that gives me life, that gives me hope, so that after I die in this world, I can believe and know that I'm going to live forever with God. Do you believe this? And if you don't, that's okay. As long as you're not stubborn about it. If you need to take some time to wrestle with it, to maybe spend this next week really wondering like, okay, what, it, like dive into John chapter six, go home and read it for yourself and ask Jesus to open your eyes, to help you see as he sees, to think as he thinks. Even if you need to, ask him to change your mind. So that when you come forward for Holy Communion, you can, you can come forward knowing that you are coming to eat the bread of angels. The most incredible gift that Jesus Christ could give to us. You and I have the opportunity to receive it every week, even every day if we want. What an incredible gift for you and I to come forward and receive from Jesus so that when we go out into the world, we can continue sitting at his feet and learning from him and saying to him, Jesus, I believe. Whatever you say, whatever you say.